It's wonderful to be with each and every one of you today. We're so glad that you're here. We have some visitors that are among us, and we would hope that you would feel as you are, and that is our honored guest, and we just simply say welcome. As always is the case, I do consider it to be an honor to speak concerning the Word of God, and I hope and pray that what we have to consider for just a few minutes this morning will be both edifying and encouraging to you in some way. You know, last Lord's Day, I touched on a subject that I said is a subject that oftentimes comes up in Bible discussions, and that is the subject of miracles and the, sub and the subject of speaking in tongues. And we exhausted that subject last Lord's Day. But there's another one that comes up a lot. And in Bible discussions that I have with people, this comes up an awful lot. And that is, what about the Sabbath? Are we under any kind of Sabbath law today? Does it apply today? So I wanted to talk about the very idea that I have on the screen. I want to talk about Jesus and his relationship to the Sabbath. What did Jesus do on the Sabbath? What did Jesus do about the Sabbath? First of all, our text, though, will come from the book of Exodus chapter 20. And we want to begin reading there in verse 11. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And in it you, will, you shall do no work, you nor your son, your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the Red Sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. As we notice this subject, though, we want to notice it in the following way. Number one, are Christians obligated to keep the Sabbath today? And I'm talking about the Sabbath of Old Testament Judaism. Question number two, are Christians obligated to turn Sunday into some kind of Sabbath with similar restrictions? And thirdly and finally... Are Christians to reject all Sabbath law and enjoy freedom from Sabbath law as to prescribing any specific restrictions? Well, first of all, when we do this, we want to consider three things. The first thing we want to consider is the seventh day of rest that God took after creation in Genesis chapter 2. Then we want to notice this. We want to notice the seventh day Sabbath under Mosaic law in Exodus chapter 20. And finally, we want to notice what role that Jesus played in the transition of the Old Covenant law to the New Covenant. So as we begin, we begin in Genesis chapter 2. Now in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible is going to say that God rested. But let me just say this. In six days, God created everything. And as we go back to chapter 1, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in all things that God created, he created, please get this, everything in six days, including man. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, the Bible says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And the Bible says, male and female, he, he, he created, he, them. So what happens in Genesis chapter 2? 
When it talks about God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Don't be confused with that. All that means is that's a detailed description of what he already did. That's all that means. So in general, he's, the creation is given in chapter 1. Chapter 2 is given the detailed aspect that he did so. That's all that means. Okay. On the seventh day, though, in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says that God rested. Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What kind of a rest did God have? Did he rest because he was tired? No, man gets tired. In fact, Jesus, when he came down to this low ground of sin, sickness, and sorrow, did so in the flesh. So you know what? Jesus got tired. Jesus knows our infirmities. Jesus knows the frailties of the flesh. In fact, Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus got tired when he was living on this earth. But not God. What kind of rest did God take then? And this also proves that everything that was done in Genesis chapter 1 was everything because at the very beginning of chapter 2, it said on the seventh day he rested. What kind of a rest was it? It was a rest of number one, delight and satisfaction. That's number one. God looked at all that he created. Remember what he said? He said, it is very good. So God said this, God looked upon everything that he created, so his rest was a rest of delight and satisfaction. What else? It was a rest because he was finished. In fact, that word actually means, one of the definitions of that word in the original literally means we, he has ceased from working. Now why would he rest on the seventh day, cease from working, and then kick it up again in the next chapter? Wouldn't make any sense at all. Everything that God created was created in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. Okay, we get that. What about man? What about Adam and Eve? What about man? Did man rest on that day? Did God give that day as a human involvement in the garden? No. In fact, man was living in a perpetual state of rest. Man was living a life of rest. He was put down in a blissful paradise in the Garden of Eden. His life was a life of rest. Do you know why? Because there was no work. Why was there no work? Because there was no sin. And if there was no work, there's no Sabbath. Okay, maybe you're thinking this. Oh, wait a minute. I read somewhere where it says that man had to tend the garden. That's true. There's a difference, though, between taking care or maintaining something and having to earn your living or your bread by the sweat of your face. Big difference. When sin came into the world and man was cast from the garden, everything changed. But in the garden, before man sinned, there was no work because there was no sin. And if there's no work, there's no Sabbath rest. So, the only one that rested in Genesis chapter 2 was God. There is no human involvement in Genesis chapter 2. Now why do I make that such a big point? I'll tell you why. I'm going to give you a word. Sabbatarianism is a word that is often used today with any type of religious affiliation 
that accepts or recognizes sab- the Sabbath, meaning Saturday, as a religious or set-apart day. They're called Sabbatarians, for example. And there are a, a number of religious affiliations that are Sabbatarians. And the reason that I make this entire point is when you talk to a Sabbatarian, oftentimes they will say this. They will say, we have to keep the Sabbath because the Sabbath has always existed, even back to Genesis chapter 2. And I've proven the point, I think. No, the only one that rested in Genesis chapter 2 was God. Man did not rest because there was no work. Man did not rest because there was no sin. And if no work and no sin, then no Sabbath. Okay, but there was a day, though. There was a time in Exodus chapter 20 when God would hallow the day or the Sabbath day. It's just back up in history. Man sinned. He was cast from the garden. And by the way, i got to tell you, a little side note here. Not only, not only is nothing said about man resting in Genesis 2, but there's not a day of rest described in all 50 chapters of the book of Genesis. Not one thing. Exodus chapter 20 is different, though, because here comes a man. Man now has sin. Man now is cast from the garden and all of that. Man is in Egyptian bondage for over 400 years. God sent Moses the deliverer to deliver his people, right? God is going to specify or bring together a system of Sabbaths now under the old law of Moses. And by the way, they were weekly, they were monthly, and they were yearly. They were a system of holy days or a system of Sabbath days. This is different from, obviously, from creation because at creation there was no sin. But under the old law of Moses, when the Sabbath was given, it was an opportunity for man to recognize his sin. The law was brought in so man could recognize his sin. Stay with me on that. What did God do? God gave two general commandments, and they were these. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's number one, general command. Number two, general command. And you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Two general commands. And watch this, because then God gave a tenfold explanation of those commands, and that's called the Ten Commandments. But there's more. He also gave a manifold explanation of those commands in the Pentateuch or simply the first five books of the Bible. The books of the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And when I say manifold, I mean many and various. Okay? System of Sabbath comes in in Exodus chapter 20. Two general commands, love God and love your neighbor. A tenfold explanation Uh, The Ten Commandments, a manifold explanation, many and various things given in the law in the first five books of the Bible. But there's something specific, and it's the fourth commandment, and that was to keep the Sabbath. They were to keep the Sabbath. And you remember when I said it was a time for man to understand and reflect on that day. It was a day, by the way, to do several things. Number one, it was a day for man to recognize creation. 
Number two, it was a way for man to recognize that sin damaged or marred that creation. Number three, it was a day for man to recognize his creator, and that's God. And fourthly, it was a time for man to recognize that God was the lawgiver. All of that on the Sabbath. Now, what I'm saying is it was a day of conviction. It was a day of gratitude. And it was a day of penitence. Now, what about the nature between the new and the old? This is very important. Okay, There was a time when God hallowed that day and that was very important. But that was under the old, and we want to notice the relationship between the old and the new. And here it is, the old versus the new. What we find is this. We find that there are something that is very significant, that the old was nothing but a shadow of something else. And so notice this. Let's just back up. God said in the day, the day was given in Exodus chapter 20. But there would be a time when the old would be done away with and the new would take its place. And the new was superior to the old in every way. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about what Jesus did. Let's talk about Jesus marking the transition between the old and the new. Let's talk about some examples of that. In Matthew chapter 12, I love this. And first of all, remember this too, folks. Remember. The two things that the Jews hated about Jesus. Number one, because he said, I'm the son of God. And number two, because of how he handled the Sabbath. So we ask ourselves the question, what did Jesus do about the Sabbath? I'll tell you what he did about the Sabbath. And this is not an off-the-cuff, flippant remark. This is the, uh, the conclusion that I come to based upon my study of the subject. What did Jesus do about the Sabbath? Jesus did anything he wanted to do on the Sabbath. Okay, Keep that in the back of your mind. We're going to find out why. But what about this? What about Matthew chapter 12? Do you remember that narrative? Jesus on the Sabbath, and I believe that to be totally on purpose. Jesus on the Sabbath is walking through the grain fields with his disciples, right? It's on the Sabbath day. And all of a sudden, the disciples got hungry, so they plucked the heads of the grain, right? And they ate that. You remember what the Pharisees said? The Pharisees said, wait a minute. They're doing wrong. They don't keep the Sabbath. Why? You, could only, you couldn't travel on a journey only a Sabbath day's journey. They were doing that through the field. Number two, they couldn't prepare the food or harvest anything on the Sabbath. All of that had to be done the day before on the day of preparation. So the Pharisees are looking to Jesus and looking to the disciples and they're saying they did not keep the Sabbath. They've done terrible wrong. You know what Jesus said? I love this. He said this in verses three and four. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest. In other words, they're, they're complaining about the disciples. And Jesus says, haven't you heard about David? And then he says this. 
Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple profaned the Sabbath and are blameless? Do you know why? They were working in the temple on the Sabbath. So Jesus is saying this, if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, if you really want to get down to that, haven't you heard that the priests themselves also profane the Sabbath, but they're blameless and there's going to be a reason why. There's going to be a reason why. But in verse 8, Jesus did anything that he wanted to do. Why? For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, I like this right here. I like Mark's account. Because Mark chapter 2 says this. Mark chapter 2 says, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Okay? Are you getting the picture? Now, one of the problems that they had, one of the problems that they had is understanding the reference point between themselves and God. And what they didn't recognize is Jesus was going to be the transition from the old to the new. They thought that the transition, they thought that the reference point between themselves and God was the Sabbath under the old law. What they failed to recognize is, and Jesus was transitioning this idea, they failed to recognize it was Jesus that was the reference point or would be the reference point between them and God. Jesus says, no man comes unto the Father except by or through me. So... We're going to get down to this chart a little bit more later. But notice this. Jesus did whatever he wanted to because he was the transition from the old to the new. The old was a shadow of something that was coming that was greater. And the new was the substance or the reality. And the new is greater than the old. The new is greater than the old. Jesus did whatever he wanted to on the Sabbath. But let's go back to our passages. What about this? I've preached on this all over the country, this passage. I'm not going to go into it in great detail, but I'm going to say this. Really quickly, at the pool of Bethesda, the man was crippled. The man needed to be healed, right? Angel goes down and stirs the water. Once a day, when the water is stirred, the first one down to the water gets the miracle, gets healed. Jesus, on the Sabbath, on purpose, walks up to this man on the Sabbath, on purpose, and says, don't you want to be healed? And the man said, I don't have anybody to take me down there. And I try to get down there, but by the time that I do, somebody beats me to it, and they get healed, and I do not. Jesus could have done anything that he wanted to do. He could have said anything he wanted to say. Jesus told the man, take up your bed and walk. Why did he say that? God commanded there were specific restrictions to a person living under the law of Moses on the Sabbath. They were to do no servile work. They were to have other specific restrictions. But based upon the codification of rabbinic tradition, rabbinic tradition counted at least 39 more things that were forbidden on the Sabbath. God didn't say that. Man said that. Rabbinic tradition said that. Do you know what one of them was? It was carrying your bed on the Sabbath. Jesus took a shot at their rabbinic tradition. 
He healed the man by saying, take up your bed and walk. You know why? He was greater than the Sabbath. He was Lord of the Sabbath. And he was the transition from the old to the new. What about this? What about Galatians chapter 4? What about Galatians chapter 4? Again, the transition. Okay? The transition. And when you look at this passage, notice this, please. The transition from the old to the new. Now, notice. Jesus died on the cross. Okay? This is after he was living. He died on the cross. He shed his blood for the sins of the world. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He spends 40 days with his disciples. He sends the Holy Spirit after he ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit was there on Pentecost Day. Guess what? Gospels preached. Church is established. Transition complete. Complete. So what he started by way of the transition as he was living under the old law. As he would be the reference point. It was completed in his death, burial, resurrection, the sending of the Holy Spirit, and the establishment of the church. But Galatians chapter 4. First of all, I have to say that if you look at Romans 14, somebody might say, what about Romans 14? Okay, I don't have time to go into liberties very deeply here. Okay. But liberties are things that we are given the freedom to decide whether we're going to participate in or whether we're not. When the church was established, do you remember that all of those thousands of people that were converted at the beginning, they were all of Jewish descent. They all had Jewish blood running through their veins or they might have even been those that were proselytes or converted to Judaism. Do you know what those under the law of Moses, under Judaism, you know what they have always done? Observed the Sabbath. So, Paul was dealing with this. In other words, Jesus nailed it to his cross and did away with it. But if a person had a conscience against letting the Sabbath go by the wayside, Paul said, leave him alone. Let him do it. It doesn't matter. Okay? Until you try to bind it. On Christians. Now that matters. But if a person was keeping the New Testament law and living as a Christian, as the Bible says, but they also kept the Sabbath, so what? So what? It's a liberty, it doesn't matter. But Galatians chapter 4 is totally different. Galatians chapter 4 is a bunch of people. That were trying to bind the aspects of the old law on Gentile converts. So that's why he addresses that in Galatians chapter 4. Notice this. But now after you have known God. Or rather are known of God. How is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements. To which you desire again to be in bondage. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid of you. Lest I have, I am, I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. You know what's interesting? Weak and beggarly means worthless. It means worthless. Those days that no longer exist, those days that were under the shadow, not the substance, those days that were under the law of Moses, what they are now is they're worthless. They don't matter because there's something greater 
there's something greater that exists. Weak and beggarly elements mean worthless. Now, Colossians chapter 2. Please get this. This drives the point home. Beginning in verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink regarding a festival or of a new moon or a Sabbath which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. How can you not look at that and say what it means? It means we're not under the Sabbath anymore. It means from a religious perspective, we don't keep the Sabbath anymore or any other aspect of the old law. In fact, these things are under the old law were a shadow or a picture of something else, but the substance, the reality is Christ. Notice this, please. Notice this again. Because the Sabbath was a shadow. Now, remember this. Go back to Genesis chapter 2, okay? God created everything in six days. On the seventh day, he rested, okay? So what did he do? He labored and he rested. Under the old law of Moses, what did they do? Six days, they labored. Seventh day, they rested. But all of these were a shadow or a picture of something that's greater. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the Sabbath was a shadow of future rest. I'm going to tell you, if this doesn't encourage you when we get through this last point, I don't know what will. If this doesn't encourage you as a child of God to stay in there and keep on fighting and keep on living the Christian life to get to the end, I just don't know what else to say. The Sabbath was a shadow of future rest in Matthew chapter 11. Look at this and verse 28. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I don't know why people have a hard time in the world. I don't understand this. Why they have a hard time with the concept of a Christian needing to work. Everybody understands that concept. You have a job. You get hired by an employer. You got to work. You're young and you go to school. What do you got to do? You got to work. If you're involved in an extracurricular activity like a sport, you have to work. And everybody understands that concept. But what people do is, in the world, they want to be, when it comes to religion, that's free, no work. That's never been that way. God worked in Genesis, created everything, then he rested. Man worked in Exodus, and the seventh day he rested. And you know what? Those things were a shadow of something else. All those things that we noticed were a shadow of something else. 
Notice, Jesus says, I will give you rest. Hebrews 4, there remains a rest for the people of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he said, be immovable and abound in the work of the Lord. All right. Here's this diagram again. Jesus was the transition from the old old to the new, even while living. The transition was complete when the church was established and Jesus had died before that and all of that. Transition complete. And if the Sabbath was a shadow of something better, and the shadow was found under the old law, which is this, Sabbath rest. And if Sabbath rest, along with everything else under the old, was a picture or a shadow of something that would be greater and better, that means that the new is heaven. And heaven rest, heavenly rest, is the reality. i got to ask you something, please. Why in the world would you want that, the shadow, when you can have heaven? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to resurrect some aspect of the old law when all of that was just a picture or a shadow of something that's far greater? Heaven is real. And the Bible says, therefore, there is a rest for the people of God. What do you got to do first? You got to roll up your sleeves and go to work. You got to be all you can be for the cause of Christ. What does that mean? That means whatever it is in your capacity within the role that you can have and serve, you have to give all you can to the cause of Christ. That's what that means. You've got to give your life over to the Lord. You've got to put him first in your life. But heaven is real. Can you imagine being a Christian and going through hard times in life and not having any hope at all? As I close... James Kaufman one time said, he said, when I was young, when I thought of heaven, I thought of some faraway place with domes and spires. I thought about a place where angels would be there, but they'd be tripping about. I thought about all those things, and I thought about it being so far away. But then he said, but my baby brother died. And then I started thinking a little differently. I started thinking about heaven as a place with a street of gold. I started thinking about heaven as a place with pearls on gates. I thought about a place that wasn't quite so far away. Because I thought of that place of domes and spires, but I thought of it this way too. There's one tiny little face that I knew that will be there. And then he says, but the reaper, the great reaper continued his work. And I lost my wife. And I lost my children. And I lost my friends one by one. And as the lone leaf on a tree remains, that was me all alone. So then I think of heaven today. I think of it differently. Oh, I think of a beautiful place. I think of a beautiful place, but I see it so personally. I think about about it as a place of the grandest reunion ever fathomed. I think about a place where we'll be able to be in heaven together 
and those separated from loved ones for a time someday will be together. He said, simply put, when I think of heaven now, I think of home. Let me ask you something. Where are you going? Are you working to get home? Because I'm going to tell you, there's nothing in this world that matters if we miss heaven. And there's nothing so great that it will ever take the precedence or the priority of our labor to get to heaven. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard. That's all right. You stay in there. You stay in the fight. So we can get home one day and have rest that's been promised to the people of God. I'm finished this morning. Thank you so much for your kind listening. I hope something was said that was edifying and encouraging to you in some way. We are not under the Sabbath at all. We don't keep the Sabbath at all. That was a shadow of something greater, and that is heaven rest. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.